Amen. If you have your Bibles, I, I want to read a, a passage this morning. And uh, and you you can actually stay seated. I know we usually stand for the Word, and, and I, I do honor that and appreciate that. But I'm going to let you remain seated this morning. Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse number 11. Luke chapter 7, verse number 11. It, it really is uh, something the Lord kept drawing me back to. Uh, over over this week especially, but really the last couple of weeks. And uh, just want to share this passage with you. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse uh, 11. It'd be on the screen as well. It says this, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. You know, from where Jesus was to where he went in Nain, did you know it was 25 miles? And that's 25 miles by foot. If he has a purpose, if he has something he wants to do for you, there's not anything he won't do, not anywhere he won't go. He'll let nothing stand in his 25 miles to get to this situation we're about to read about. And he came into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. So Jesus had a crowd. The woman had a crowd. He's coming in. They're going out, and they meet, and they collide. The Bible says in verse 13, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, which was what they would have carried the corpse on. And they, watch this, and they that bear him stood still. Don't keep walking. Don't keep walking. So watch. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And then the Bible says, And there came a fear, a reverence on all, and they glorified God. And they said a couple of things. One, that a great prophet is risen up among us. And another thing they said was that God hath visited his people. That's what we're witnessing, that God has visited us. And I love this, verse 17. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. I'd love to start some good rumors about Jesus this morning. Out of not only this story, but out of this service, I'd love to see some good rumors started about Jesus. I want to go back. It says that, in verse 14, that he came and he touched the bier where the corpse was carried, and they that bear him stood still. And I, I really believe that the Lord put this thought on my heart, and I want to I share it. it. It would be really easy for us to just settle for what we've witnessed and what we've seen God do, and, and surely we could. And, but at the same time, here, here's what I know, that the, Bible, the psalmist said, that I will praise him for his exceeding greatness. That God exceeds his greatness. Whatever previous greatness you know of him, God never gets worse. God never goes downhill. 
God always does more. God always increases. God always steps it up a notch. And so I'm here to tell you that, that we're going to praise him for his exceeding greatness. And I know that God not only wants to do, continue to do things for them, but for you and I in this service to exceed the greatness that we've witnessed, to exceed that and go beyond that. And so I say to you that he wants to use this as a springboard to do more. And if I was going to believe God for anything, if I was going to use any day to build my faith, to reach out, I mean, this is the day that I would choose to say, God, if you can do that, you can do what I need you to do. You can move for me. And so I want to talk to you about this, what I believe that God said on that uh, in this situation, in Paul and Delicious situation, what I believe that he's saying to many under the sound of my voice. I want to talk to you this morning just about this. Stop the fuming. Stop. <laughs> stop the funeral. Stop the funeral. Turn to your neighbor. Help me preach a little bit and just tell him, stop the funeral. Stop the funeral. Stop the funeral. Stop the funeral. There's a story in the book of Mark, chapter number 2, and I'm not going to be long. I'll be done as soon as I'm through. <clears throat> but... Just seeing if he's listening. All right. <laughs> I was going to tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told all nine of her husbands. I'm not going to keep you long. But anyway, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> There's a story in Mark chapter 2 about a man who was paralyzed. He was stuck. He was stuck in a situation he couldn't change, in a situation he couldn't walk out of, in a situation really he couldn't even get through because he's stuck. He's paralyzed. The Bible calls him sick of palsy, but it really meant paralyzed. And it, it manifested different ways, but let's just say he's stuck. And Jesus was in a house teaching. And the Bible said that, that four men got this man and they had him on a mat, got him on a bed, and that these four men, the Bible said that they came to the house, and he came to Jesus born or carried by four. And, and, and man, I, I want to tell you, sometimes when you are uh, in a situation you can't get through and you feel stuck, man, I want to tell you what you need. You need four crazy friends. You just need four crazy friends. You need, you need people that will not give up. You need people that are determined. You need people that will say, I'm with you and I got you. And you might be stuck, but if you can't walk, I can walk. If you can't pray, I can pray. If you can't do it, I can do it. If you can't lift your hand, I can lift my hand and I'll lift my up. Anybody here want to be a crazy friend? If you don't have those kind of friends, why don't you be that kind of friend to somebody else? That's what I, I'm crazy. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm a crazy friend. I'm a crazy friend. Pastor Lee texted me before 4 a.m. You got to be a crazy friend to let somebody text you before 4 a.m. this morning. Here's the parallel. These men took this man and they brought him to Jesus. And when they brought him to Jesus, the Bible says that they, they could not get in for the press, but they didn't give up. There were things that hindered them, but they didn't give up. There were things that prevented them, but they didn't give up. And the Bible said that they even went up on the rooftop. 
but they couldn't get down, but they cut a hole in the roof. How many knows that if you really want it, you'll go after it and you'll find a way? And, and, and so they cut a hole in the roof and they're carrying down. This ain't even my message. I'm trying to do an introduction here. Y'all, y'all, y'all bear with me. So here's the thing that they did. They let him down in the midst of Jesus. Jesus forgave him and healed him, restored him, and he picked up his mat and he walked back to his house. Here's, here's the parallel. From that I see this. This man was carried to Jesus, born of four. God has also given us four men, four accounts that will carry us to Jesus to new heights, cut holes in the roofs that stand between us and him, and, and will let us into his presence and into the reality of a new faith. And that is the four men of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If When you are in a situation that is stuck and you cannot seem to get through, if you will go back to the gospel accounts, if you will go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you will read that and let that get in your heart, they will pick you up and they will carry you to new dimensions in Jesus. They will carry you to new levels of faith. They will carry you to new places. And that's what I'm asking God to do today, that he would literally, through this, that he would pick us up and carry us into new places, carry us into new levels, carry us into new dimensions where our faith is resurrected, where our faith is a rooftop faith. It's not a closed-door faith, but it's a rooftop faith that says we're we're going to keep on and we're going to believe over and above what seems practical. We're going to believe over and above. And so these, these four men, the, 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 these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they begin to lift us up. And in the gospels, we begin to see that Jesus, I love this, Jesus had the ability to turn human devastation into divine demonstration. What you read in the Gospels, Brother Paul, is that Jesus, nobody could have a situation, nobody had a situation that they ever faced that he was not able to fix. Whatever caused despair, he was able to repair and bring a renewal and a restoration into their life. He could turn human devastation into divine demonstration. There was nothing anybody ever faced that Jesus was not able to fix. And so in addition, I've got to hurry because I've got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. But in addition to forgiving sin and controlling nature, he would speak. I mean, Jesus had power. He would speak to wind. He would speak to things you couldn't see. He would speak to waves. He would speak to storms. And they would obey him. And when they were raging and he said peace, they had to fall out. And they had to obey his word. And in addition to that, there were three distinct areas really that I want to focus on that Jesus began to exercise power and authority over, and that is these areas, disease, demons, and death. Disease, demons, and death. Now stay with me. I'll go real quick. There are biblical examples. First of all, disease. He, he, he healed blindness. It didn't matter. Bartimaeus was on the highway side begging, and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I can't see Jesus, but I can hear that he's around. If you can't see him today, take my word for it. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's passing by. And if you ever hear him, if you know that he's there, you can call out on him, and he will stop, and he will call him, and he can restore vision. We, we know that with the lame man. The lame man was by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He couldn't get up. He couldn't get in the pool. He couldn't get healed. But when you are stuck, Jesus will come. When you can't get to where he is, he will come to where you are, and he will meet you in the point 
of your name. I'm talking about the Gospels. This is what the Gospels teach us. On and on and on we could talk about the Gospels and then we all have our, our own uh, stories. I could talk about leprosy. We could talk about paralysis. We could talk about all that. I just want to give you a little testimony. Can I give you testimony? Thank you. Many of you know this. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. But when I was born, I was born dead. I came out blue. The doctors didn't give any hope. They got ready to, to give me a shot in my heart. And right when they got ready to give me a shot in, in, in my heart, I took a breath. My heart started beating. But right after that, on the day that I was born, I had three major seizures. The doctor came into my mom's hospital room. In a matter of fact, stood up against the wall with his arms folded and just point blank said, your baby's going to die. Your baby's not going to make it. And if by some chance he makes it, He'll be paralyzed on his left side. He won't be able to do anything. He won't be able to walk. He won't be able to talk. He won't be able to function. They also said he'd be a vegetable all of his life, which would not be long, but what life he had, he'd be a vegetable. And then they, would, then they said he'll also be mentally retarded. Now, Winnie has questions about that. Don't talk to her about that part. But I can tell you this, that was on a Saturday. By Monday, I was pink. By Monday, I'm talking about after Sunday, the Lord's Day, people praying, calling out on God. By Sunday, I was pink. And I want to tell you something. I've never had any paralysis. I've never been paralyzed. I don't know about the mental retardation. I'm not sure about that sometimes myself. But I graduated valedictorian of my class, not because of me, but to God be the glory of what he could do. And, and I know, and I know I'm not a vegetable. You know why? Because a watermelon ain't a vegetable. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Just seeing if you're listening. Some of y'all look at me over now. To God be the glory. I say to God be the glory. You can't get so bad that he can't make it good. You can't get so far down that he can't lift you up. You can't get so far away that he can't bring you back. He can do the impossible if you'll call out on his name. He's, he's, he, he has authority over disease, not only over disease, but then also over the demonic. And I won't spend a lot of time here, but there was people in Scripture who were possessed of devils and vexed of devils and even grievously vexed, of, oppressed of devils. And Jesus would come by and they wouldn't be able to do anything with them. They'd try to chain them and put fetters on them. The Bible said one young man, the demons would be, get up on him and work within him and would throw him into the fire trying to kill him. Throw him into the water trying to drown him and nobody could do anything with him but Jesus just said bring him here because there's no hopeless case there's nothing beyond my ability there's nothing beyond my power there's nothing that I cannot do and Jesus spoke the word and touched the young man and set him free the man who is in Gadara who they tried to bind with chains and he's in the tombs cutting himself and they were all scared of him Jesus the Bible said when he got out of the ship and stepped on shore the man ran toward Jesus but Jesus didn't run from the man 
man. Jesus stood right there and he called that demon out of the man and set him free. Why? Because even demons are subject to Jesus Christ. You have nothing to fear today. Every spirit and principality is subject to the Lord Jesus Christ. But where I really want to talk to you about is, is, is this thing about death. This thing about death. Three notable times in the Gospels we're told that Jesus exercised besides his own resurrection. But Jairus's daughter, 12 years old, had died and Jesus raised her. Lazarus, Jesus, he whom thou lovest is sick. Mary and Martha sent to him. He, he delayed and Lazarus died. They already had him in the grave. But Jesus raised him up. And then there's this passage. Y'all thought I forgot about this, didn't you? Then there's this passage, this young man whom was in the city of Nain, the only son of a woman that was a widow. In this passage, Jesus is heading into the city and a funeral. I want you to get this. A funeral procession is headed out of the city. We enjoyed a rescue processional this morning. They had a funeral procession wrapped up, corpse wrapped, carried out, hopeless, despair, not, not any life left, might as well put it away, might as well give up on it. We're taking it to the cemetery and we're going to bury it. And here's this woman with the funeral procession going one way and Jesus is coming into the city the opposite way. And when he got close to the gate of the city, he saw this funeral procession. And I want to tell you that that there's a parallel there because it doesn't have to be physical death for it to be death. It can be a death of a circumstance, death of a hope, death of a dream. It could be just something that has died that you've believed for and hoped for. This young man represented her hopes and dreams. Everything, but yet, but yet, as that began to die, as that began, and, and she said, "You know what? This is this is too far gone, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to bury it." But here come Jesus, 25 miles from where he was the previous day, and here come Jesus uh, walking right at the time, not just happenstance, not just coincidence. He knows the timing uh, in which to show up uh, in your situation. He knows the timing uh, in which he knew exactly when he would be meeting them. And right as they come out of the gate, Jesus is coming into the gate. And let me tell you that I believe this morning what's happening is a divine collision is taking place. There are things that people under the sound of my voice, you, you've been tempted to give up on. Maybe you have given up on. Maybe you have thrown in the towel. Maybe you have said, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's hopeless. I think it's too far gone. And everybody around you has told you, you might. We, it's time to go to the cemetery. That little, that little voice from the enemy trying to whisper and say, you might as well bury this. You might as well get over this. You might as well put this away because you, 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 it, it is too, too late, too far gone, too beyond. And so this woman who had tasted this disappointment and bitterness before because she was a widow, she's already buried hopes and dreams. And now she's in a repeat performance, it seems. And now he, she's, as she's buried previous hopes and previous expectations, but this time when she's headed to bury her son, she's headed in one direction and Jesus steps into the process. I wonder this morning if you'll let Jesus step into your process. 
I wonder if you'll let Jesus interrupt your funeral procession. I wonder if you will let what he's doing here this morning, what we've witnessed him do, I wonder if you'll let him step right into your situation and say, well, you know, that's them and Paul's a preacher and they sing and they're gifted and they're anointed and they got great. I want to tell you something, it doesn't matter because that's not why he did it. He did it because he is who he is, not because they are who they are. He did it. He did it because of who he is. It's his nature to deliver. It's his nature to heal. It's his nature to rescue. It's his nature to move by his power. And I tell you this morning that what he did for them, he'll do for you. Two questions i got to ask you. Number one, what direction are you moving in today? What direction are you moving in? Because I know you in church, and I know you clapping, and I know you shaking your head, but on the inside, which direction are you moving in? Are you going to the cemetery? Are you going to the place of burial? Are you saying, you know what, I might as well give up on this. I might as well throw in the towel on that. I might as well quit believing. I've done took that. I've done scratched that off my prayer list. Because I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's gonna, God's going to do it. I don't think he's hearing me. I don't think God, if God wanted me to have it, he'd have done it by now. If God wanted to do it, he'd have done it by now. If God was going to perform it, he'd have performed it by now. And, and something is trying to get you to give up and to quit. And everything looks like that that's the reasonable thing to do. Which direction are you headed? Are you going toward the cemetery or are you in Jesus' group, in Jesus' crowd that says you can believe again, you can hope again, you can have faith again, you can have expectation again, he can move in your life again, he can raise it up again, you will sing again, you will preach again, you will minister again, you will do it again. And so, so which direction, which direction are you moving? Not only that, not only that, but which crowd are you in? Who, who you got around you. Because it's hard for you to go back toward the house in a place of expectation when the crowd you got around you is all going to the cemetery. You can get caught up in the current, caught up in the flow of everybody around you. Everybody's saying, oh, man, it's a man. You know what? I, I really hate to say it, but you know what? It's just we just got to admit that some things, it just wasn't God's will, and God just didn't want to have them, and he just moved for them, but he didn't move for you because, you know, they're special. And I, I want to tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. First of all, I believe God sent me here today to specifically tell somebody that is headed emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you're headed to the cemetery to bury a hope, to bury a dream, to bury a situation. I believe God has sent me here. That you have all but closed the book and said it's not going to happen. Like the man who was a corpse, was wrapped up in grave clothes. You have said about your situation, well, that's a wrap. Well, that's all. it's all wrapped up and over. You are moving in the direction of death. But I believe that God has sent me here to tell somebody that he's wanting to step into the process, turn some things around, put you in a new direction, not of fear but of faith, not of despair but of repair, not of devastation but a new manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. I tell you this morning, secondly, which crowd, which crowd are you with really? Who's texting you at 3 a.m.? Are you with the funeral crowd or are you with the faith crowd? Are you with the grief crowd or are you with the belief crowd? 
because, because, because it's not just about what's in you, it's about what's in the people around you. Because certain things like that can be contagious. You can start off with belief and end up in grief and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with who you surround yourself with. I want to be the I want to have the four crazy friends that'll say we'll get you to Jesus. We'll get you there one way or another. We will not give up on you. We will not quit until you get your deliverance. I tell you who you hang around, who you hang around and who you let speak into your situation matters. This woman who had experienced the pain of a previous loss, is now walking toward the cemetery again. Lord, I've been here before, and now I'm walking here again. And she's walking with a crowd of mourners. There's a place for that. I know not everything turns out sometimes the way we want it to. But I just got to tell you this morning, I have a hard time quitting. I do. I have a hard time quitting. I have a hard time giving up on stuff. I'm, that's just not how I'm wired. That is not how I'm wired. I mean, we, <laughs> Winnie was having a little coughing uh, spell this morning. She got up about 2 o'clock. She turned the heat up and, and about 2 a.m. And, and, and about 10 or 15 minutes after, uh, the house just filled with this terrible smell. I don't know if something going on with her heat pump. I turned it off. And, and actually, my father-in-law come up. We looked at her around. It's 2.30 in the morning, y'all. By the time we were looking around, you can't tell not 2.30 in the morning. I wasn't even halfway awake. And, 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 and so, so I go, I'm going outside, and I'm looking around. I'm doing, and, 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 and I'm out there, and, and I'm like, oh, i got to find it. And something hit me. And I'm like, I am outside on Sunday morning at 2.30 a.m. And I started walking my property. I walked the perimeter of my property. I, I don't know how long I was gone, but I was out there. And you know what I was out there doing? I told Winnie, I said, when I got back in, I said, you know what I was out there doing? I said, devil, you ain't doing this. The Bible said, every place where the sole of my foot shall tread, it's mine. And I said, this is my house, and it's not your house. And I don't care what you're trying to do, because Winnie had worked this week helping some people who was about to lose their house to, to, and be, it be condemned. And she worked diligently for a couple of days to help them, and it actually passed inspection where it was not condemned, and they saved it. And this was the thing. I was like, no, not after she's sown that. You're not going to come in and steal a harvest and do something to our house. It is not going to happen. I have a hard time giving up. I have a hard time quitting. I have a hard time resigning over and just saying, well, whatever will be, will be. No, whatever I allow may be, but if I don't allow it and I'll stand up in the name of Jesus, I declare a change needs to come. And, 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 so, and so here all of a sudden, this, this, this woman, this woman, she has a decision to make. Jesus is coming toward her. She's headed to the cemetery. She got tears in her eyes. And you know what I found out? Sometimes if you want a miracle, you got to believe beyond the point of death. You got to believe past the point where it's reasonable. It's not reasonable for you to still believe. It doesn't make sense for you to still believe. I don't care if it makes sense or not. I'm not trying to make sense. I'm trying to get a miracle. I'm trying to get deliverance. And, and, and so, so you have to believe beyond the diagnosis. You have to believe beyond the prognosis. You have to believe beyond the judgment of the judge. You have to believe beyond the rejection letter. you got to believe beyond it. 
And what, I, what I'm saying is that I think sometimes if we're not careful, we bury things too soon. We give up too quickly. And sometimes in the midst of the process, when we, when we want and feel like we need comfort, when we want comfort in a situation, sometimes what we really need is confrontation. It really is. Because we want somebody that will be around us that will say, oh, you poor thing. And that, that, there's a place for that. You poor thing. Oh, it's so, oh, we're so, so, oh, my heart just breaks. And Jesus did have compassion, but he also had authority. He also had a plan. He also had a purpose. And, and so you can be compassionate with somebody and yet at the same time step up and say, stop crying. Don't weep. Don't weep because this is not the way this situation is going to end. This is not the way this circumstance is going to conclude. This may, this may be the end of this chapter, but it's not the end of the book. There might be a sequel. This might be a commercial, but the movie's not over. I'm still writing the story of your life, and it ends in glory. Come on. If your story ain't ended in glory, it's not the end. And, 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 and so... So we need sometimes somebody to step in the process and challenge our faith. And as she's heading out of the city, Jesus is heading in. And I believe that that's why I've been sent here today. To step into your funeral procession and say, not so fast. Not so fast. I know it looks like it's over. I know it feels like it's over. I know others may be telling you it's over. But today... Jesus is interrupting your funeral. <laughs> and he does four things real quickly. First of all, the Bible said that when he came in, he saw her. He saw her. Can I tell you that that is so important to know that where you are and what you're dealing with and what's going wrong in your life, that you are not in it by yourself, that the Lord sees you. That the Lord sees you. He sees your struggle. He sees your hardship. He sees your grief. He see, And he has compassion. He is touched by your circumstance. Your grief touches his heart. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmity, the Bible said. So he sees you. He knows where you're at. He sees you. But he doesn't just see what's going on and what you're doing. He sees you. He sees your heart. He sees what's going on inside of you. He sees beyond the circumstance. And he sees you. He's not all the way, all the time as, as concerned about the circumstance as he is, how the circumstance is affecting you. He cares about you, and he saw her, and he had compassion. The second thing the Bible says is that he spoke. He spoke. The first thing that he said to her is weep not or stop crying. And, and Pastor Lee talked about it last week. Sometimes that can seem insensitive. I mean, she's burying her son. And Jesus comes up and says, stop crying. Don't weep. Dry your tears. But that confronted, that confronted her. It seems contrary to compassion. But here's why, listen to me, here's why he told her to, to, to stop weeping. Because he knows, listen, this is important. You can walk in grief or you can walk in belief, but you cannot walk in both. You can walk in grief, you can walk in belief, but you cannot walk in both. 
You have to choose, am I going to grieve over this or am I going to believe over this? Am I going to bury this or am I still going to, am I going to take this to the cemetery or am I going to take this to the throne room? Am I going to take this and say goodbye or am I going to take this to a great God and say, here it is, and I believe you to restore it. You can walk in grief or you can walk in belief, but you cannot walk in both. And he's trying to move her from sorrow to expectation, from grief to belief. So hear his words, but know the heart that they come from because he wants you to believe again. And when he says to stop crying, it doesn't mean that here in a moment if you come to this altar that you're not supposed to cry. You may cry under the anointing. You may cry under his touch. But here's the thing. Don't let it just be a touch of grief. Let it be a touch that creates a new belief and says, I will not give up and I will not quit and I will not throw in the towel. I can tell you something about Jesus. I've tried, I've tried many a time to throw in the towel and he always threw it back. He said, you're not done because I'm not done. You need to fight on. But then he did this third thing. He saw, he spoke, but then he did this. He touched. He touched. After he saw and he spoke, he went over and he touched the buyer. He touched the, mat, the, 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 the structure that they was carrying this corpse. He goes over and he touches it. Now, ordinarily, that would have made somebody ceremonially unclean under the law. But because Jesus had authority and because what Jesus had in him was stronger and mightier than what the dead man had in him. Jesus didn't get what the dead man had. The dead man was about to get what Jesus had. For he is the resurrection and the life. He doesn't give no dead touch. Jesus doesn't give no dead touch. If he touches you, it's a touch of life. It's a touch of resurrection. It's a touch of new beginnings. It's a touch of restoration. That's the touch. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I've seen. See, Jesus, Jesus touched the buyer. And the Bible says that the men who bore it stood still. He didn't touch them. He didn't tell them to stop. But there was something that happened when he touched the buyer that they said, we can't go any further. We can't continue this on. We can't go this direction. We can't keep going like this. We, we, and so they stood still. We don't know where we're going to go, but we know where we're not going to go. We don't know what we are going to do, but we know what we're not going to do. And the Bible said that they stood still. And what I realize is that Jesus will not always stop the funeral, but he will give you an opportunity to stop it. He will not always tell you stop, but he will give you a touch and give you the opportunity to stop. Here's what I've noticed. You see, there is a touch that gives you strength to go on in difficulty, but there's also a touch that comes that causes you to stand still and change direction. Now watch. I've noticed this, Pastor Lee, and you've probably noticed that ministers everywhere have probably noticed this. What I've noticed is that many times you can even be in a service like this, witnessing this, you can, you can preach, you, God can move, and God can definitely specifically touch people. But here's what I know. They don't understand the, what that touch is for, and they'll be touched by Jesus, but when they get up, they're continuing on in the grief. Instead of letting the touch, in other words, they'll come and they'll say, you know what, really what I ended up wanting was to feel better about a bad situation. If I could just feel better about it, but the situation remains bad. No, that's not the touch he wants to give. 
There is a touch. There is a touch that will sustain you, that, that, that will strengthen you. But Jesus wants to give a touch that will turn you, that will change your direction. When you're headed to the cemetery to bury things that he still wants to bless, to lay down things that he still wants you to hold on to, to give up on things that he still wants you to claim and be steadfast in. He wants to touch you, but not so you have strength to go to the cemetery and let it go. He wants to touch in a way to where you will stand still, process the touch, and say we can't keep going that direction because he is turning us. Something is changing inside of me. Something has shifted inside of me. i got to go back and i got to believe and i got to hold on to God and I can't give up on this and I can't quit on this. Jesus does not always stop the funeral, but he does give us the opportunity to stop and to believe that his touch can raise the dead. Some people come and they get a touch, they get an emotional release, but their faith is not changed. Their faith is not altered. And they get a touch and they're like, "Woo! I thank God for the touch I got. But when they get in the car, they still believe the same thing that they believed before the touch. And, that, and that's not condemnation. I'm trying to help you identify what might be... God wants to touch you in a way that it changes your faith, changes your confession, changes your outlook, changes how you anticipate the future. I'm telling you, he wants to change that. So watch. Now I'm going to close. You see, they, they, sometimes people get a touch and they don't stop. They get a touch they don't turn. But I prayed and I've asked God, God, please don't let that happen today. I want him to touch people from the front pew to the back. I want him to touch people from this wall to that. I want him to touch us all. But I want him to touch us in a way to where we'll not just keep going on in the, in the process that we're going on and give up on things that we've given up on. I want him to turn us and to say, you know what? Some dreams I've given up on, some things I've quit praying for. Come on, a prodigal that you don't think's ever going to come back, a, a child that you don't think's ever going to be saved, a, a husband that seems like he'll never come to Jesus. I'm telling you, something that you want God to do and you've wanted God to work out and it looks like it's totally impossible, a sickness that's seems like it'll never be healed and you've watched God do it for others but it hadn't happened to you and so you give up and threw in the towel and said you know what I guess I'm just not special I'm telling you I want him to touch you to the point do you say you know what I'm not giving up I'm not quitting I'm changing direction I'm going to believe I'm going to get in the Jesus crowd and I'm going to walk with him so watch and, and, and he wants to stop the funeral in your life and here's what I love about it. Once he touched the buyer, the Bible said, and they that bear him stood still. And then he spoke again. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Now watch. He spoke to the woman and said, you don't have to live in grief. That's what he said. Weep not. You don't have to live in grief. You can, you can live in faith. You can live in expectation. He touched, he touched the buyer, he touched, and they stopped, and they stood still, and it gave him opportunity. I at least want this message to bring you pause, pause, and consider, do you think God, is there anything too hard 
for the Lord. Is this really too far gone? If it was left up to me, it couldn't happen. If it was left up to my friends, it wouldn't take place. If it was left up to Pastor Lee, Brother Keith, the singers, the worshipers, the music, it wouldn't happen. If it's left up to man, it would be impossible. But things that are impossible with men are still possible with God. And you don't have to be a person with no faith and no expectation. He can still move on your behalf. So I at least want you to pause and say, what can God do? What can God do? What can God do? And he said, young man, I say to the arise, now watch, the young man represents what we're going to bury. And he's not just speaking to the woman. He's not speaking to the crowd. He's speaking to the hope. He's speaking to the dream. He's speaking to the expectation. He's speaking to that very thing that seems lifeless and void and empty. And he says, young man, I say unto thee, arise. The word arise means change your posture and your position. Can I tell you that God is about to speak new life into your dead dream? He's about to speak new life into your dead situation. He's about to speak new life into your circumstance. He's about to speak new life into the situation. When God speaks, things change. It doesn't matter whether he says, let there be light or Lazarus come forth. When he speaks, things change. His spirit, his words, they are spirit and they are life. They minister in ways that nothing else can minister. They touch where nothing else can touch. They move where nothing else can move. They, they, they perform where nothing else can perform. And the Bible said that when Jesus spoke to the young man and said, I say unto thee, arise, that the young man, he that was dead, sat up and began to speak. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that there are some dead things that are about to rise up, change their posture and position in your life, and they're about to start testifying. They're about to testify to the goodness of God, to the power of God. They're about to be a testimony of what your God can do. I say I want us to start some good rumors about Jesus out of this service and say this is what the Lord can do. I don't know what you've seen him do, but this is what we know he can do. This is what we've witnessed. And I believe that some dead things are about to start testifying to the power of God. And I love this. I love this. He said, he said, and he that was dead sat up. And began to speak. And he being Jesus, he delivered him to his mother. He delivered him to his mother. Can I tell you this morning that the Lord, the Lord is not going to airmail your miracle. The Lord does not airmail blessings. But he hand delivers. I'm telling you, God's about to do something in your life that's going to have his fingerprints all over it going to have his fingerprints all over it and you'll be able to say if it was not for the Lord this would not have happened if it was not for the Lord who is on my side, may Israel now say, may the church now say, if it were not for the Lord who is on, I'm saying it's going to have God's fingerprints I don't know if y'all realize or not, I don't know if y'all could see this in the, in the spirit, I don't know if you could see this, I'm not being crazy or freaky or nothing, but God's fingerprints is all over this God's fingerprints. is I mean, it's got his touch written all over it. What doctors can't do, what they said wouldn't happen. What they said wouldn't happen. God said, oh, well, I hear you, good doctor, but let the great physician speak. And when the great physician overrules the good doctor, he said, let me put my hand. You got your hands on it. You did what you could do. You did your operation. You did your surgery. Now let me dive in and let me work. My God, let me, hey, hey, let me do it. 
Let me get a hold of it. Let me touch your bar. Let me touch it. Let me raise it up. Let me do it. Come on, you ought to stand up and give God a praise. You ought to give God a praise. You ought to give God a praise. Hey! Yalaboho, Sandalaboho, Shirababaha, Kiramondalaboho, Tiramamaha, Siramondalabohota, Hiramondalabohosa, Shirababohosa die, Kiramondalaboho, Tirababaha Satalabohota, Hinalaboho Kalabohota. He ha ha. Hey. He Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me speak to that just for a moment. Because there's one other application, one other application I see in this. If you're here today, you don't know what we're shouting about. We're not shouting about something. We're shouting about somebody. We're shouting about our Savior, our Jesus, who's so good and so great and so awesome. But listen, if you're here today, and you do not know Jesus. Let me tell you. The Bible says you are dead in trespasses and in sins. And you may think your life is all together, but I want to tell you spiritually. You're being carried to an eternal cemetery. Eternal separation from God and from the faith crowd. But Jesus about 2,000 years ago died on a rugged cross <laughs> and he planted that cross right in the path of your funeral procession and he said if you go on that cemetery called hell you'll have to bypass me you'll have to bypass my cross you have to bypass my death. He said, I'm doing everything I can to get you to pause, to stop, to receive, to change directions, to receive life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, those who are dead in trespasses and in sins can be so turned around and changed today, brought to a place of new life, brought to a place of resurrection life, given new life. The Bible says the Bible says the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can have new life today. New beginning today. New opportunity today. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. Are you here today? You don't know Jesus i got to do this. You don't know Jesus. And you just say, Brother Keith, today, I don't want to go in that same direction, that direction of death, 
of eternal separation from God. But what I want to do, what I want to do is I want to change since I hear the Savior. I hear the voice. I hear it. And I'm going to stop and I'm changing directions. And I want to know Jesus today. Anybody in here that's you, just lift your hand up and say, that's me. Amen. I see that hand. Somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. You just lift that hand and say, that's me. I see that hand. Somebody else, somebody else. I see that hand. Somebody else. Hey, hey, hey. I see that hand. I see that hand. Somebody else. Then here's what I want you to do, first of all. Those, if you need Jesus this morning. And you say, I'm going to open up my heart to him and I'm going to receive him. I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come to this altar. I want to introduce you. Come on, 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 come on. <laughs> oh, he loves you. Oh, God. Oh, God. I bless you, Lord. Oh, God, I glorify you. Others, 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 others. Others, others, others. Come on, stay right there, stay right there. Others, others, bless you, Julie. Bless you. Others, whatever you, whatever you need, whatever it looks like is dead in your life, circumstance, situation, family, whatever it is, if you bring it to him, I'm telling you, he is saying today, he is saying today, you can believe again. I still am moving. I still am working in your life. I still have not forgotten you, and I will not fail you, says the Lord. And I want to invite everybody in this building. I don't care if it's crowded. I don't care if you got to, you got to kneel right beside somebody and rub shoulders. I want to invite everybody that will that says today I'm switching. Today I'm changing. I'm going from grief to belief. I'm going from sorrow to joy. I'm going to expectation. I'm going from devastation to manifestation by faith.